you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 122. Well, hi guys. Welcome to this week's podcast. Actually, this month I'm doing uh, something a little differently. Uh, I wanted to do a month on meltdowns. So this is July's meltdown month, and we're going to look closer at our kids' meltdowns, our own meltdowns, why we have meltdowns, and really dig underneath. And it's different than I think the way meltdowns are typically thought of or talked about. I think the term meltdown is even sort of, it, it conjures up for many of us a thought of like a toddler on the floor kicking and screaming. And the truth of the matter is, is that people have meltdowns at all ages, right? Like there's plenty of grown up meltdowns that happen. There's plenty of teenage meltdowns that happen. And I want to sort of just get underneath it and uh, help you to look at when a meltdown is happening a little differently, like why are we having them? And as we all know, when we try to just shove a bandaid on, it's like shoving a bandaid on top of a bleeding wound when we want to say or do just the right things. Like there's more to the equation when people at, of any age go to a meltdown state, there's more to the problem. There really is. And and so I feel like for me to just say, here's three tips on how to manage your kids' meltdowns, it's really, it's just, it's not even ethical because there's so much more to the equation and there's so, so much that I think all of us don't understand. So I'm going to go more in depth on this topic this entire month. And I want you to join me on this journey and I invite you to sort of open your mind and, and be willing to possibly hear some things that you haven't thought about before and to look at it differently. Because at the end of the day, what we really want to accomplish is we want to, we want to be the grownups, right? Like, like we want to be those calm, centered, grounded grownups. I think it's the reason why most of us beat ourselves up after we have a meltdown moment ourselves and we shift into blaming our kids, blaming the situation, blaming our life story, blaming, blame, 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 right? Wherever there's blame, 
shame is close by. Shame and blame go together. It's like peanut butter and jelly, shame and blame. So whenever you're, but you're, my kid's more difficult. You haven't met my kid. I don't have an easy kid like them. All the other kids do X, Y, and Z, and my kid does it differently. Or I lose my cool because I have a hard kid or I have, I'm so worried about money and all those other people staying calm. They don't have the same money worries or um, whatever it is, right? Like it's so hard to take accountability for our own meltdowns. And so we, it's painful. It really is painful. And so we deflect and blame is a way of deflection. So when we're melting down, obviously our, we're not modeling the behavior we seek. You know, our kids learn by what we model, not by what we tell them to do. We have to actually do it. Like we have to walk the walk and it's hard. This stuff is hard, you guys. So I want to dig in deeper and just have, like we always do here, um, just I want to start a real conversation about topics that affect most families I know and, um, and just invite you guys to look at things maybe a little deeper and a little differently than you have before. So one of the things I want to say is, is I just recently, I, I shouldn't say binge, but I sort of binged a show. And, um, I binged a show. It's called normal people. Someone told me about it. It deeply affected me. And I think many of us, you know, we don't think of television as art, right? Because it's like television is just like a pastime. But if you really think about art, you think about, um, art being an expressive way to tell a story, to bring people to some kind of experience that allows them to feel emotions really like that's what art does and when it's beautiful and when it touches us right like we feel things from art so whatever the medium is it might be uh it might be a sculpture it might be art that you would find in a museum but it also might be a movie or a book or a television show right so when we start to explore stories and they're done in an artistic way where we feel deep emotions. Like when you're watching something and it brings you to intense laughter or, or tears, um, that's art touching you. And it can actually happen during, uh, during a, a Netflix binging moment. Um, actually, I don't think that shows on Netflix, but you'll just have to Google to find out where it is. So anyway, it's called Normal People and somebody told me to watch it. And, um, the first episode, I wasn't sure I was going to stick with it and I did stick with it and I've just been thinking about it all week. It really caused me to think about a lot of things. So I'm going to, if you haven't watched normal people over the course of the next month, I'm going to be referring back to this show and, and talking about some examples from this show. Um, so spoiler alert, don't listen to this week's podcast episodes if you plan on watching Normal People or if you haven't watched it yet um, and you get curious, you may want to just pause and go and watch the show and then come back to these episodes because I don't, I cannot stand it when people spoil things. I love surprises and uh, it drives me crazy when I'm like, 
you know, somebody tells me what's going to happen in a show or in a book. I'm like, why did you do that? Just took the fun out of it. So I don't want to be the fun killer for you. So make sure that you go and watch it on your own. So, so I watched the show and one of the things like in the very first episode, I was trying to figure it out. And the, the key character in the show is this girl and she's in high school and she's like a social misfit. And, um, and it turns out she's the rich girl and she's very isolated. Um, she doesn't have any friends at school. She has a chip on her shoulder. She's really bright. Uh, she's nasty to the other kids. She's nasty to the teachers. She's not likable. Okay. She's not likable. Um, her body language is like she, you know, she's, she's just very sort of shut down as a person. And, and the interesting thing is, is that you really, you really don't like her much. And it's even hard sort of to feel compassion for her, to feel sorry for her because she doesn't make it easy to like, she's, she's speaking out and she's being nasty and you just sort of don't like her. And you're kind of like, yeah, when you see the other kids being mean to her or the teacher coming down hard on her, you're sort of like, or I was like, she kind of deserves it. Like, like she's a creep and there's more to the story as the show moves on. But the thing that got me so much in, in, in those early episodes, in the first like two episodes was just like, even though she wasn't likable, she had such a deep sadness and loneliness to her. And I think loneliness is something that we just don't talk about a lot in our culture. And, you know, when people go to a place of having a meltdown, right, where that's the thing with meltdowns, just like this key character in the show, um, you know, people aren't very likable when they're having a meltdown. They're not enjoyable. And so, so it's hard to feel that compassion when, when people are going to this place of non-likability, for lack of a better term. I think it's important to look at loneliness because when we really want to understand what's happening when there is a meltdown, we got to see what's brewing before the storm hits. And I, I think that quite often a deep sense of loneliness, um, it's such a painful thing to feel alone. And I think it is more prevalent in our culture than we realize. And I think quite often, a lot of times the kids that seem the most shut down or the meanest, um, the most unlikable people are actually quite lonely. You know, we have a human primal need to belong, to like, to belong to a pack, to belong to a tribe. Um, it's a primal, it's primal for us. If, if anybody's familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like it comes right after food and shelter. So belonging, 
knowing that we are pack animals. That's why I always use the term pack leadership. Like we were the leaders as the parents, we're really the leaders of our pack. We are humans are meant to belong to a pack and, and we do it with our families of origin. Um, we create packs, kids go to school and create their own little packs and their own little cliques. Um, kids who have been missing that feeling of belonging connection quite often, those are the, those are the people who are susceptible to joining gangs. You know, if that's something that is a part of your community or culture, or even if it's not, um, understanding why gangs exist. It's all just part of that primal need to belong because loneliness and isolation feels, feels like pain. It feels like pain that, that it's hard to even put words to. And so kids who aren't feeling that sense, like when we use the term connection, right? We're just saying like, you know who you belong with and you feel seen and heard and valued and worthy and understood by, by that, by those people. So when you're missing that, when you come from uh, a family where there is disconnection, where there is a lot of discord, where people aren't feeling like they are knowing each other in a positive way at all, and I think a lot of families are going through this. A lot of people go through this. It is deeply lonely for every member. So a lot of times it's funny because even people who seem like they go with everyone, they always have plans. They have such a, a you know, strong family connections. They call each other 25 times a day when they get older. A lot of times that that isn't what I'm talking about that a lot of times that's, that's codependency. And that is, we don't even know how to belong in a positive connected way. We belong in this unhealthy dysfunctional way where there's always a lot of bickering or fighting or, um, and not having honest conversations. So I think loneliness is more, more prevalent in our society than we realize. Um, I think that it's something that is so painful to look at that most of us haven't even really looked at. And I've even heard that it's, it's a, it's a really unresearched phenomenon. So when I watched that show, those first couple of episodes, um, the thing that struck me the most was her deep, deep loneliness. She was the rich girl from a family that, you didn't ever see them really talking or connecting. And when they did, it was just like, there was tension everywhere. You could tell there was just, you could tell that stuff had gone down. And, um, and so the only connection she really had was there was this nice housekeeper who was warm and she kind of would sit on the counter and after school and talk with the housekeeper. Um, and, and the housekeeper really seemed just normal and warm and lovely. And, um, and so you'd see this girl just totally shut down at school with a chip on her shoulder, uh, being nasty, the teacher's nasty to her peers. And then she'd come home and she'd be sitting on the counter like a little kid dangling her feet, um, talking to the housekeeper while she cleaned or cooked or whatever. And, um, and you just sense how badly she wanted to connect with someone else. And so why is this relevant 
when I talk about meltdowns, I think just like this character, you know, the, the armor she wore at school because she was in deep pain and she um, wasn't feeling connected and she was, she didn't, she didn't feel really worthy of human connection um, because she wasn't getting that love cup filled at home at all. And so here she came to school and she wore this, she wore this really, you know, harsh armor around her so that no one could even penetrate it. So no one I think could hurt her even more deeply than she already was hurt. And I think so often our kids that are prone to meltdowns, they, they're hurting, they're acting on the outside the way they feel on the inside. And I think quite often they do feel misunderstood. They do feel like there's no one that they can turn to, to help them get their needs met or develop the skills that they need to develop to, to deal with the big emotions going on inside their bodies. And so they act on the outside in that out of control way, the way they feel on the inside, because they feel out of control on the inside. So we, you know, understanding that I think also helps us to kind of shift perspective because the thing is, is that these kids, when they're behaving like that, just like the character on the, on the show, her name was Marianne, just like Marianne, they're not likable, right? Like you don't really want to help for help them or root for them. And so a lot of times other kids are not drawn to them and other, and teachers, uh, are not drawn to them. And even you as their parent, you love them, but especially when you have other children on the scene and they're acting out in these ways and it's affecting your other children, you love these kids, but there's probably lots of moments where you don't like them because they're not very likable. And so, so that's just something to sort of understand and look at. Okay. So if we talk about why a meltdown, like what exactly is it and why it occurs. I think it's important to understand that, you know, a meltdown is that your child is have or anybody having a meltdown, whether it's an adult yelling at another adult, refusing to listen, getting defensive, um, going into a place of blame and just not being a calm centered, grounded, grown up. So whether it's a little kid who's kicking and screaming, whether it's a teenager who's, who's being snarky and nasty and eye rolling and name calling, or whether it's an adult who's blaming the world for their problems and their inability to remain calm and to problem solve when a curveball comes their way in life. It's important to understand that it's just a person that's having trouble regulating themselves due to a negative emotion, okay? So the coping mechanism for the big negative emotion, right, their coping mechanism is an explosive release, otherwise known as a meltdown. And so that explosive release, I want you all to understand why that explosive release happens. 
it happens because when you are feeling dysregulated, caused by a big emotion, a big negative emotion inside your body, you have high stress hormones during those moments, people of all ages. And when you have an explosive release, it actually gives you a little bit of like a, like a counterbalancing hormone. Okay. So you get a little bit of an adrenaline rush. And what that does is temporarily it lowers those stress hormones, those cortisol levels. So it actually is a coping mechanism. And that's why a lot of times if your kids, if you find that you have, you have a kid that's, you know, has a highly sensitive nervous system, you know, that, um, they just sort of, they come home from school and they're just in a pissed off mood and they just sort of, they were maybe the baby that cried all the time. Um, they're just more sensitive to life, to smells, to taste, to energy. Um, they're just a person that has, that fuels everything very intensely and very deeply. That's why a lot of times I call them strong-willed kids. They have a strong will because they take in everything at a heightened degree. Okay. And, and so, so when they take in everything, it can get, it can feel out of whack. It can feel wonky in their body a lot. And all of us, are looking for that, you know, for that state of, of kind of balance and peace. We don't want it to feel wonky. So we look for any way that we can start to feel better, that we can, you know, heighten some other counterbalancing chemical in our body to feel better. It's the reason why any of us do any over behaviors like overeating exists because, it's a quick hit. It's a quick chemical hit where you feel better temporarily. I mean, that's the reason why you ever ate the sleeve of, you know, Thin Mints or whatever it is. If you look at right before you go to that emotional eating episode, like look at where you were and what happened. Sometimes it's something that's obviously stressful that happened. And then you're just like, you know, looking for a quick fix of you just all of a sudden get a craving. And so your body has learned that when you put chemicals from food in your body, especially like sugar, it, you instantly feel happy, even though you're going to crash 30 minutes later, or you're going to be hungry again for more. Um, it is a temporary release, right? So it's like if you, if you went through childbirth and you're going through the pain of childbirth and somebody's like, Hey, you want that epidural now? It's, you know, it's sometimes, it can be hard to be like, no, I don't want the epidural. I just want to feel the pain. I'll breathe through it. Um, that's why most people are, don't do natural childbirth is because they, you know, they, it's like when the pain is here and it's intense and in our culture, we haven't been, we haven't been taught to feel feelings of discomfort. It's hard to just breathe through the pain especially when you haven't strengthened that muscle. So you don't have the skills to do it. Well, that's the same thing when any human's experiencing a meltdown, their body's feeling dysregulated. And so it feels bad and they look for any possible quick way to feel better. And so that explosive release is a way that they can feel better. And then if you, if you start to admonish it, admonish them and engage in a power struggle with them. And then it becomes a game on screaming match 
um, it actually ends up being a pattern that sort of serves them because they get the adrenaline rush from fighting with you. Um, so I, I think that, you know, understanding that your child isn't having meltdowns, you're not having meltdowns because you guys are intentionally thinking that that's the way to, to, to feel better or to solve problems. It's just a habitual pattern that you've gotten into. And I don't think there's any way to truly break a habitual pattern um, unless you fully understand why it's here and why it exists. So, so learning about this stuff and getting underneath, getting to the roots of it, I think is super important and powerful. And, um, and also understanding that, you know, if you have a child that is prone to explosive meltdowns and, you know, this is a child that is, that's got like a, you know, a sensory thing where maybe, maybe it's with something little, maybe it was something bigger where tags were itchier, um, noises were louder, smells were smellier. Um, you know, they don't, they're, they're really prone to certain types of foods and they really cannot, it makes them gag to eat certain types of foods or certain textures. Um, if there's any kind of sensory component, like there's, there's more to really understand here and, um, and patience is needed. But I think when, I think for most of us, we accidentally, exacerbate the meltdown because we get so reactive because we take their behavior personally and we think that, you know, they think they're running the show. They don't have respect for us. We make it mean something about us, right? So we have sentences in our head that says, I have my kids out of control. Um, you know, maybe our, the invisible parent, your parent is on your shoulder or some other judgmental person that you envision on your shoulder. How I would never have let you treat me like this. And so you're deep down being like, how could I have a kid that thinks it's okay to behave this way? Like, and then that triggers like a deep sense of I'm failing at this job. That's my most important job. Like my own kid doesn't even treat me with respect and my parents never would have put up with this. And then next thing you know, we go into that super high stressed triggered state as well. And, um, and it's just like the clowns are running the circus because our wounded child self is responding and overreacting to their, you know, actual wounded child self. And, um, and it's just, you know, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. And then everybody's mad at each other. And what do we get when everybody's mad at each other? Or everybody's walking on eggshells because you never know what's going to set the other person off. What you get is a disconnected family. You get, and then you get deeply lonely people who aren't talking to each other and don't know how to talk to each other. And it doesn't feel safe to talk to each other. And that feels super lonely and super isolating. And, um, and it isn't a sense of emotional safety. It does make us all feel fearful of, of being all alone and not really knowing who, where we can, you know, where we can turn to if we need help. Um, so fear and safety, all of those things get conjured up. We're going to be looking more deeply at those topics this month 
when it comes to meltdowns. And, um, and then we are also going to get to uh, the last episode of the month. I'm going to really talk about boundaries and leadership and why that is the solution and why when you, when you fully understand what is, what is pack leadership, how do I establish boundaries? Why are they necessary? Um, really understanding that ultimately that is the solution because what boundaries, you know, we've all heard, oh, kids love structure. And you're like, really? Um, why are they always pushing limits then? Um, but the boundaries and, and being able to uh, establish boundaries and follow through on boundaries, uh, when you're able to do that from a place of loving leadership, pack leadership, what it does is it helps everyone in the family to feel safe. And when that happens, you find that people feel more grounded and, 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 and hence they get more emotional regulation, right? So all of that dysregulation that happens when you are wired with a sensitive nervous system, when you have somebody who shows up in your life and puts boundaries around certain behaviors and they know how to enforce it without shaming and blaming, well, all of a sudden you have a kid that starts to feel safer in the world, starts to feel more connected, starts to feel like they can learn new tools to help them feel better when they're having big feelings and to manage those big feelings, a better alternative than an explosive meltdown. So that's really the solution. So I'm going to unpack that more for you guys this month. And I think we're going to touch on some um, really interesting topics. I'm going to talk more about that show. And I would love to know from you guys uh, if you have more questions about this, if this is resonating. I would love to know your own personal stories about these topics, especially the one that is just intriguing to me and I really haven't heard discussed much is all about loneliness. I know that that has been a theme in my own life and, um, and I'd love to know what, how it's shown up for you guys. So if you have anything you'd like to share with me, please feel free to email me at info at randyrubenstein.com. Okay. Have a great, great week and I'll talk to you guys. Are you ready to start having productive conversations? Have you been listening to the podcast for a while and you hear me go through my three-step productive conversation process to solve any problem and you're thinking, how does she do that? Guess what? I made a really cool resource for you guys. I call it the problem-solving one sheet. Okay, it's one sheet front and back, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it will walk you through how to have productive conversations and you'll practice and before you know it, you'll be having productive conversations all day, every day. It really is the solution to solve any problem. So you can download it at mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving, all one word. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash problem solving, all one word.